I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. Joined, as always, for the Wednesday edition by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. Looking forward to throwing myself into an hour of fantasy football here to escape the harsh realities of 2020. Glad you're all here. <laughs> uh, for sure, 100%. Um, but let's, let's go right into this. The biggest talking point of the week right now is the Rona. Finally, the elephant in the room, Neil, finally dropped a deuce on all of us. It ju- it took long enough for it to finally come through, but here we are. Yep. So on, 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 on Saturday evening, the linebackers like to... coach for was... Tennessee. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, we've done a really good job of not talking about COVID-19 directly all through the preseason and through the first three weeks. Yeah, and now we finally have to have the, co- the talk, uh, apparently. Now we have to finally address it and go through it. We try to provide that escape for everybody, and unfortunately, life finds a way of getting in the way of that. But here we are. The linebacker coach for Tennessee on Saturday tested positive, and they said that they were going to proceed with Tennessee's game against the Vikings on Sunday as scheduled. Everything went as usual. Uh, of course, we, we laughed at the fact that in the preseason, they announced they will not be testing players on game day, which sounds like a great idea. Sure. I mean, how could that possibly go wrong? So they decided. It's so shady. They, they it's just so weren't going to test them on game day. Sure. They played the game and then they went to the facility on Monday. Everybody had their regular tests and three more personnel and two players tested positive for COVID-19. So all of the Vikings got sent home because they played the Titans and all the Titans got sent home from their facility and they were barred from coming back until at least Saturday. Now they've tested all the Vikings. They all appear to be okay. Nobody's tested positive in the organization and they are back to practice uh, starting today. They went back to the facility, but the Titans whole other story. So this week they're, like I said, working virtually they will whatever, whatever that means all, for a football practice. Uh, so all of their meetings will be online and all of their walkthroughs will be done. Digi- I don't know how they do a virtual walkthrough, but that's no all idea. they've got. No idea. Until at least Saturday, while they continue to test and look through the data. This morning, they came out and announced that their game scheduled for this Sunday with Pittsburgh has been postponed. Uh, there are multiple options on the table including Monday and Tuesday to keep it within week four. The other possibility is week seven. Week seven is the Titans bye week. uh, And the Ravens and Steelers have a scheduled game for that week, but both the Ravens and Steelers have a week eight bye. So the, the plan would be that the Ravens and Steelers game would get pushed back a week. The Ravens who've done nothing wrong, if they've no part of this whatsoever would have their bye week moved up a week to week seven. And then the Steelers would also have uh, their bye week moved up to now. 
so that they could play the game in week seven against Tennessee. It is a weird situation. We've talked about the fact offline that if they were to postpone this to Monday, there'd be two Monday night games. Uh, so we just have to kind of monitor that. And then if they postpone it to Tuesday, this would count as week four stats. So I don't know how that would possibly affect the websites in terms of unlocking players for waiver claims, uh, because Wednesday morning is when those all run. So if if your roster is still locked from the previous week, how do you put in your waiver claims? How do you make roster adjustments? I don't know any of that. I don't think they know. No, I don't I, think they I do think either. This is all just. I think everybody's flying. Go. They're flying by the seat of their pants pretty aggressively on this one. If you want my opinion, they're. Uh, and the fantasy websites I'm telling you are are praying that it's not Tuesday just so they don't have to try and figure out on the fly. How am I going to unlock rosters? Also, Tuesday is typically when they're compiling things in the background and all the rosters are locked. And that's just going to mess with that whole process just from a nuts and bolts level, let alone a computer level. They're going to have to have all their, you know, all systems have to be go to compile everything while they're still trying to collect data from a game. And then what if there's a scoring adjustment? How do you deal with that in the background? There's the Tuesday option is the one that I know the fantasy industry is dreading the most. I, I don't know whether or not it's the one that the respective football teams would be most in favor of. I told you offline, I think that if they can possibly do it, they're going to push it to Monday is what they're going to want to do because that is the path of least resistance. You don't have to go through as many hoops nearly. You're just delaying everything by one day. It's really not that big of a deal. The schedule can stay intact. It's it's that's the one that I think the NFL is going to want to do if in any way possible, just because you're going to work closest to the dollar on this. And frankly, the NFL doesn't want to talk about this. They're pretty open about the fact that they don't want to talk about this and they would rather you just focus on Patrick Mahomes' passing stats. They're not really interested in having this conversation with you because to Steve's point, I don't think they have any kind of real game plan. I think they're literally making it up as they go along. So I think they're going to try and push for Monday. I think plan B would be the week seven possibility because at least you'd have several weeks to try and plan for it and you could make adjustments. I think the Tuesday one is the one that that kind of gets left odd man out there. I'm personally hoping that it's not on Tuesday. That's going to be really hard to deal with. Yeah, I think the so part of the off-season protocol they put in place for the COVID-19 situation was that they have an independent committee that helps with the scheduling um in order to make sure the entire schedule stays fair and balanced throughout the entire season and they have that committee on retainer through the entire season for events just like this. If something comes up where a game needs to be postponed or rescheduled, then someone who has no stake in any of the team's league whatsoever, they, they, they just, they're an independent third party, basically, that, that can tell you if this makes sense, if this is the most fair for everyone involved, and how you should proceed. The biggest issue with moving it to Monday or Tuesday, other than the obvious logistics of it, is the fact that, as we mentioned, the Titans can't even begin practicing until Saturday at the earliest. And at this point, we, we still don't know anything until we go and get the new test results tomorrow from the tests that they took today. But we, we won't know anything until we get closer to it, obviously. But at this point, yeah, the, the biggest question is the Steelers can practice all week and prepare for the Titans as if they're playing this game all week. But the Titans can't do anything until Saturday 
So how fair is it to them that they get literally no practice before this game while the Steelers do? And I think that's the biggest question for the committee at this point. And it's the reason I believe this ultimately ends up landing in week seven. Fair point. Very possible. It's it. Well, just turning it around even for Monday is, is I'm just telling you, that's why I'm saying the NFL, I think beyond the independent commissioner or anything, I think the people in control of the NFL would want to do it on Monday because it's closest yeah. to the dollar and they don't they don't have to look bad or do anything like that. They can just yeah, do If they push the game back one day to Monday, the NFL would be fine with that. The Steelers would obviously be fine with that. The Titans. The other issue Yeah, the other issue with Tuesday is uh again the short week. So like when you have a Monday night game playing on Sunday, you're dealing with the short week that affects teams and their ability to be ready the following week. I don't know if either team would want to play on Tuesday and then have to deal with a short week the following week. I think that that raises a whole other series of questions. But now we're talking about you're already going to miss at least two players from your roster. You're missing staff if you're the Titans. And as part of the protocol, they have to go 10 full days away from the facility or they have to have back-to-back negative tests uh, separated by 24 hours of testing. So more than likely, you're going to lose players for at least one game, probably two, and your coaching staff. I mean, at this point, this game is up in the air for me. I think they just push it back. And now I'm concerned about the Titans playing in week five as well. Sure. But as a temporary measure, we have to look at this week. And all of a sudden, we're talking bye week again. Yep. <laughs> when we didn't think we'd have to until next week. We're already here. here. we are. So now if you're dealing with early bye week issues, there are some waiver options to pick up. I feel like you probably have better options given the teams that we're talking about here. Uh, you more than likely had other options anyway, but QBs. If you were starting Ryan Tannehill or Ben Roethlisberger, you waited way too long on quarterback. (laughs) I feel like you were already in bad shape. You probably picked up someone else. They're great backup QBs, but I feel like something went horribly wrong if those were your starting options. But even if they were, uh, you've got Joe Burrow, who's playing Jacksonville this week, 60% owned, and we'll get into him a little bit more in a little bit here. But, you know, one rough week for my guy Gardner Minshew, but hey, he's he's dealing with an extended week. Okay, <laughs> they played on that Thursday night game. Now they're playing on Sunday, so he's gotten ten full days to prepare for a bad Cincinnati defense. Oh, he's owned in under fifty percent of leagues. So oh, my. Minshew gotta, mania lives on. He learns nothing from Thursday night. He's got to double no, down on nothing. the on the podcast. I love it. You got to stick to those guns. You can't get scared off by one bad week. Uh, and then and Fitzpatrick against Seattle. We've seen how bad that secondary has played for Seattle, and they're going to miss Jamal Williams for a bit. Yeah, and I brought, him up, I brought him up last week, and he cashed for you, so I think he can do it again against what has been what is probably going to win you a bar bet. The worst secondary in football to this point is the venerated Seattle. <laughs> and it's not even close. No, like, it's not it's, close. It's not close at all. Yeah, it's it's pretty atrocious. Uh, the, running back. I don't even know how you do that. Again, if you had James Conner as your starting RB, you've been dealing with injury issues. There's a reason he's your starting running back. Or, I guess, on the other end, Derrick Henry is much more viable. Yeah, that's the one you worry about. But again, 
in a typical league, you're playing two running backs anyway. You had an RB2 that is now your RB1. So maybe you got lucky and hit someone off the waivers. If not, Adrian Peterson. It's not sexy, but he's getting a, the bulk of the work for New Orleans. Uh, he's 43.2% owned Also, right New now. Orleans defense has been pretty yes. poor. So it's not as ugly the, as The big thing for Peterson is he's not getting a lot of like receptions, which has right. never been a thing. But they are not using DeAndre Swift at all after he had that bad week one drop. They yep. have just like benched him and relegated him to the back of the team there. Yep. And Adrian Peterson is still splitting the workload with on Johnson, but he's still getting all the goal line touches. Well, so, you see, it's because it's Matt Patricia, Steve. And yeah. as, as someone I trust yeah, recently pointed Watson. out to me, yes. there's someone I know who I will say uh, that someone I trust to be able to spot a con artist like from a mile away. And he pointed out to me that, have you ever noticed that Matt Patricia wears a pencil behind his ear, but uses a laminated play sheet? And I got to tell you, never, never, <laughs> never occurred to me never to even look for together. something so simple. And, I, and I'm just sitting there with my mouth hanging open, like, are you some sort of secret genius? Like, what, <laughs> what's going on over there? Guys living in 2040. Uh, the other one's Rex Burkhead. He was the RB1 last week. But again, it's against Kansas City. Good matchup. This is contingent on James White being held out again. Again, he's missed the last two games with personal issues. Rex Burke had 42.2% owned. So if White does not play for a third consecutive game, you can obviously fire him up. He is the back to own in New England. Worth noting, clear. worth noting that White did return to practice today. So we'll see. Yes. It's not a More than likely anything, James White is going to play this week. But I'm saying if he does not, Rex Burke had certainly a guy yes. that I would be playing. Uh, deep down the roster, I've got Jamal Williams for Green Bay, 14% owned in ESPN leagues right now. Look, if, if he were to play the only time this season so far, he had two eights and then a two. So it's never going to win you the week, but it's also not going to lose you a week. And his one, two that he had last week was in the competitive matchup against New Orleans. They're playing Atlanta this week in a game that they should be controlling most of the time. So in the other two scenarios where they were blowing teams out, Jamal Williams put up decent numbers. And then the last one is just a, a last second ad because it came up uh, that Mostert missed practice today. He was scheduled to come back uh, this week, but seems like that's going to, that's kind of up in the air considering he missed practice today. So something to monitor. And if he can't, if Raheem Mostert can't go for whatever reason, then I will take my shot on a repeat performance from Mr. Jeff Wilson Jr who was heavily involved, and with Tevin Coleman on IR, it would be Jeff Wilson and only Jarek McKinnon. So yeah. if, for whatever reason, Mostert can't play, Jeff Wilson would actually be the name I would have number one on this list. And McKinnon also dealing with a knee injury, too. Yeah, so if for whatever reason any of that comes to pass, Jeff Wilson's the name that I would have at number one on this particular list. It's what I would go with. Uh, one of our favorite I-can't-quit-yous, Preston Williams. <sighs> getting harder every week. Now, again, it is. Because he is just less and less getting target volume and, and being able to produce the yardage. That's concerning. However, Seattle. I know. So It's I so mean, juicy. If there was any time for him to bust out, it's this week. Well, this is what if I was going to say. Do it. If he can't break out here and they just keep forcing the ball to Devontae Parker over and over, which has been what I've been watching through the first three weeks, depressingly so. 
if he can't get off the schneid here, it might be time to start reevaluating expectations for Mr. Preston Williams. As sad as it is, because perennial show favorite Preston Williams. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't go that far. What I would say is if he's if he doesn't produce against Seattle, I would certainly have him on my bench until Tua is in. That's, that's what I would that's, say. That's that's certainly fair. That's certainly because fair. I would also, not be cutting bait, but I would certainly not well, be willing to start it, him. It'd be tough to cut bait at this point, given where the waiver wire already is going into week four, and now the buys start a week early. So the waiver yeah. wire is already a total mess, and he's still there's a reason he's still fifty percent owned because there's always a chance that he can get back into form, and I like his path to getting back into form better than just about anybody else who'll get off the waiver wire. So there's a reason why he was the first name listed. After a couple double-digit performances the first two weeks, a seven in week three has people scared off of Nikhil Harry. But look, I mean, it, it was a tough game all around for the Patriots. We, we acknowledge that, but Cam is Cam. They're going to throw the ball. We saw what Nikhil Harry and that offense were able to do when they got into a shootout with Seattle, and now they're playing Kansas City. I mean, come on. It doesn't get much juicier of a matchup than Kansas City. So Nikhil Harry, 50% owned. I will definitely fire that up. Also, Keelan Cole, it appears that DJ Chark do 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 is going to be back this week. And hopefully that'll help that Jags offense. But Keelan Cole, another one who had a couple of double-digit performances the first two weeks and then a bad Thursday night game. Now all of a sudden 24% owned. That's it. And he has been the primary target guy for Garner Minshew in that offense. So he's somebody that should act, be rostered in most leagues anyway, let alone if you're looking for buys. So I would definitely be looking at that. Uh, and then you've got Russell Gage here. Yeah, Russell Gage just over the 50% mark. So what you're worried about there is that he took a big shot uh, uh, in week three, had to yeah. leave the game. But he hasn't just been decent to this point. He's been good. And... We still don't know the status of Julio. We don't know exactly how this is going to shake out yet. So it's it's worth monitoring because if he was actually to play, he was, I mean, yeah. there's no way it's going to sustain for the season, but he was a borderline top 10 receiver before yeah, he got that's hurt. The thing but he's also me. in the, he was on he's the also, page for me for sure. Yeah. It's just the injury. It's, it's the, it's the, the injury. So, well, you yeah. don't have to make this decision today more than likely yeah, yeah, yeah. is what I'm saying. So it's definitely a name that I'm monitoring. And if he's able to get, uh, concluded as we say around here then i'm gonna fire that up and then if i was desperate if i'm looking at keelan cole the other name on that list for me is Mecole hardman we saw what he did last week we've talked him up in the past we all know Mecole hardman can play it's just a question of they're playing new england and i actually don't mind it because what does new england typically do week in week out they scheme to take your best pieces away so as far as a home run hitter shot call if look i'm doing that if i'm projected to lose you know what i mean if i'm yeah. projected to lose by 20 Nicole hartman because yeah. any if, given if, sunday we want to see what it is right just look at what happened last week with darren waller getting taken away with the wide receivers doing nothing except for hunter renfro yep. so just picture mccall hartman as this week's hunter renfro and profit uh, tight ends, Jimmy Graham against Indy with Nick Foles at the helm. We talked about Jimmy Graham before. The fact that he seems to be the favorite in the red zone for the Bears, no matter who is under center. So, I mean, he's got a chance to fall in the end zone every week. Might as well fire him up at this point, 33%. Uh, Dalton Schultz against Cleveland, 26% owned. I've got some interesting stats on him in a little bit. And then you've got Logan Thomas 
second in the league in tight end targets. What a stat that is. It's insanity. And so that's why he had to make the list. He's only 18 and a half percent owned and that's going to break out at some point. He's to your point, he's too involved to not eventually have that breakout game and they're playing Baltimore. He frankly is like the second option when they're passing, particularly in the red zone after scary Terry, Mr. Terry McLaurin. So for me, Logan Thomas, in terms of opportunity, and maybe this is the week he happens to fall in the end zone twice for me. And not just Logan Thomas is a flyer fill-in. I'm thinking Logan Thomas is, given the state of tight end, we can go through it if you like. Uh, it ends after about six names now, given where we were in the preseason. It's horrible already. So given that level of opportunity, Logan Thomas for the season as a TE2 for me, unfortunate as, as that is for the state of tight end, but he's out there getting those opportunities. And then if you have been using either the Titans defense or Steelers defense uh, to stream a D this week. We've got both sides of the Thursday night game, which should be an absolute dumpster fire. Oh yeah. Oh, you get against the Jets or Jets against the Broncos. Either way, I'll take either side of that defense because I can't wait for this nine to six slug fest that we watch tomorrow. Oof. Coming off a short week, both teams injured, nobody good. Oh yeah. It's going to be a real slop fest. And uh, I would prefer the Broncos, uh, obviously of those two, yes. but it's the one time all year that you'll hear us recommend the Jets defense. Look at that. Probably never going to happen again. They're probably not good. never. And They're then uh, the Seahawks is the other one talked about how bad that secondary has been, but everything else has been fine. They're playing Miami at home, 29.2%. And Hey, it's against Fitz magic. So that's, a couple that's, of picks makes the day fine for you. There you go. I was just going to say, you're not, if you're playing the Seahawks D it's also one of the rare times we'll recommend that you're not hoping that they hold. Don't watch that game. Hoping that, Oh, they're going to hold Miami on this draft. No, you're going to give up 35 points in that game. My friend, what you're hoping for is three interceptions and a fumble recovery. And also the sacks. Because that's the other thing that Fitzmagic loves to give you if you're starting a defense against him. He'll go down a couple times in that backfield for sure. And maybe if you're very lucky, you'll get a pick six or something kooky will happen. All right, but let's take a quick break, Neil, and then we're going to play a little game here. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat shootout, rapid fire, and more or less. In Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure. I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry. But if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. You can buy me a lot of Jonu Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. 
just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and a half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many John U jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, -N -N -E, and get in on the action this weekend. All right, we're back. We're going to play a quick game here. So three weeks into the season, we kind of did this a little bit last week, but basically it's buy or sell. And I'm going to put an asterisk at the beginning of this because this is one of the bigger problems when you look at general sweeping advice in the fantasy community, whether that be Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, wherever you get your information from. Just because somebody says this is a great sell high or buy low doesn't necessarily mean that's the case for your team. You have to be able to look at your team specifically and decide if that makes sense for your team. Like, for example, last week, we talked about James Conner being a sell high because neither one of us believes James Conner holds that job. But if you were in a situation where, say, for example, you took Saquon, and then you got Saquon in the, th or you got uh, James Conner in the third round to go with Saquon as your RB2, and then basically nothing the rest of the draft. You just took swings on guys like J.K. Dobbins that haven't worked out to this point. James Conner is the best running back on your team, so trading him away at this point doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially if you're strong at other places. But that advice is mainly for. If you've already got two other guys who are also performing and doing well, and he's a commodity you don't necessarily need, he's the piece that you would want to get rid of. Hopefully that makes sense to you people out there. Hope that, well, that gets through. And also in terms of general advice, I actually have stated on numerous occasions and I write it up every week. I don't even like to make trades until week four. To your point about knowing where your team is and knowing where your roster is, it is up to you to be able to evaluate well, that. Well, this is technically week four. Level. You don't like to make trades until week five. It's Correct. I don't like to do it. I don't like to do it until after this coming week is what I should have said, how I should have stated that idea. So fair enough. But yeah, you don't really have a definitive sample even. We're a quarter of the way through the season at that point through the end of these games coming up. So if you're two and one, if you're three and oh and you're you're in that you're in the driver's seat, you probably don't need to do anything. You just kind of let let the chips settle and then you can also have a little bit more security in what you're trying to buy or sell. Also, too, as we know, injuries happen every week. So what was a good idea last week and then somebody gets hurt, well, that's not a good idea anymore, is it? So if you're already winning, there is a certain sense to just being a little bit conservative with it, even if something is, no, it's a crazy sell high and I need to do not, you know, in a vacuum, I want to go do that. But Sometimes it's better just to kind of 
play with the team you have if you're already in the catbird seat rather than try and get cute and fiddle with it, even if theoretically it can improve your team. It's a, it's important to have that balancing act and to build the appropriate depth because you're going to be a playoff team. So it's so this oh. is how this is going to work. All right. So I'm going to give you players currently in the top 12 at their position, currently rated as a uh, number one at their spot. OK, you can tell me if you buy that player's value, as in you would want to acquire them if you can for a reasonable price or hold on to them if you've got them, or if you want to sell that value, as in you would trade them at their current value or avoid them altogether uh, if someone is trying to trade them to you. So let's start with quarterback. First and foremost, you got to start with the hottest guy in the market <laughs> right now, right? Josh Allen, he's yeah. QB2. He is on a record-setting pace ahead of what Mahomes did two years ago. It's ahead of what Lamar did last year. The only player with more fantasy points is Russell Wilson, and it's not because of yardage like Mahomes was doing. Russell Wilson has actually thrown more interceptions, but he's gotten more touchdowns, uh, so he's put up more fantasy points in on a per-game basis. But Josh Allen, QB2. Neil, are you buying or selling? I am holding until about week nine, and then I am selling. I wrote this up yesterday for the updated trade tables. Feel free to go check that out at importantnonsense.com. And I gave my full thoughts there. When you actually dissect Josh Allen last year for the season, 58% completion percentage. Right now, he's rocking eight passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and the turnovers have been minimal. Frankly, he's looking like an artist out there right now. I get why people, the Josh Allen troopers are out taking their victory lap, and you know what? You might as well take that victory lap now through three weeks because I'm here to tell you that that schedule, it's daunting once we get to week nine through the end of the year. People forget they were a playoff team last year. They have a very easy front-loaded schedule. For example, they only have two-plus matchups down the entire backstretch. So week nine on, two-plus matchups. That's your playoff games you might need to win. That's also your fantasy playoffs. Given what you had to pay to invest in Josh Allen in the draft, versus what he now commands on the open market, it's a huge sell. However, I don't want to do that right now. I want to bide my time because I'm still enjoying those juicy plus matchups right now. I'm going to cash all those 40s up until about week seven, week eight. And if he gets hurt and I lose my opportunity to invest from it, so be it. I'm willing to, I'm willing to sit here with my asset because I believe in my ability to pick up depth and back up quarterbacks and things like that. And if you won that many games, you'll be able to figure out something to help you through the playoffs if that was to happen. That's the only hitch in this potential plan, but it's a quarterback and it's Josh Allen. And at this point I'm willing to sit until week nine and then cash in this huge check from somebody who thinks they're going to fleece me, uh, in the open market towards the end. Here's of the what I'm saying. I will, I will buy that Josh Allen is better than I anticipated. I will buy that a hundred percent. I think he's probably going to end up fit based on this. He's going to probably finish as a top 10 guy. I, think I don't think there's any way not, around uh, it. He would have to have some real clunkers. However, that being said, to your point, the back end gets tough. If I can sell Josh Allen, given his current value, if I can sell Josh Allen to get another quarterback and a wide receiver, running back, tight end, whatever, if I can get two starting pieces for one Josh Allen, I will 100% do it. I don't think he keeps up his current pace. I don't think he has a Lamar-like year like we saw last season. I feel like he finishes top 10. He has potential to be top five if he thrives in those back-end tough matchups. But, I mean, I'll like I said, I'll buy the value, but if I can sell him at what he's 
he's currently valued at, I will 100% do that. Well, what I also wrote up was I'm not interested really from an acquisition point, frankly, if we're going to talk about it from the other side. I'm not oh, yeah, interested yeah, yeah. in no, trying to I'm trade trying to for him, Josh no, Allen. Too much, this too only much. applies if I have Josh Allen. Yeah. I there's there's no way you could have any ROI on trying to trade for Josh Allen right now. The 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 smart play is to is to either divest it now if you're skittish or or follow my advice and hold him for a few more weeks and then sell it for a king's ransom to your point about getting two starting pieces for one. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Next. You done messed up, AA Ron. Aaron Rodgers is QB6. He is off to his hottest start in years. It is the highest scoring what was it highest scoring three games to start a season for the Packers like ever it's the second year of the LaFleur offense so it feels like he's got a better hold on it and they haven't even had Devontae Adams at 100 percent so are you buying or selling Aaron Rodgers staying in the top 10 rest of the year I am buying him staying in the top 10 I am unfortunately buying him staying in the top in the in the top 10 because that was not a take that we were subscribing to in the preseason, but at this point through three games, he's done enough to kind of change my mind on this. I have a feeling you don't agree with me, but I don't. At this, to this point, to this point, I'm thinking it's the, for my money, it's the Aaron Rodgers uh, FU tour continues on, but here's, here's where, where I will, I will speak a little sanity to that. Would you ever feel comfortable trying to, to trade for it and hit your wagon to that star? See, no. that's the issue for me is that, yeah, I buy it, but only in the sense if I drafted it and I can hold on to that to that ROI myself. I'm not really interested in trying to acquire Aaron Rodgers until we have more of a definitive sample size for sure. And then maybe I'll feel differently about it as we get further into the season. But for right now, yeah, it's it's I'm starting. He's tur- making a star turn. To the, it's the no Devontae Adams thing that is that is really, really getting me. But the schedule gets tougher. Same as in Buffalo. And it's not necessarily the most sustainable thing, which is why if I had my druthers, I had to move them up the table, for example. But if I, if it was me running the ship and piloting the show, I acknowledge that there's more value than I thought that there would be there. But whether or not I'm trying to acquire it, no, for me, I'd probably stand pat with it and kind of ride it out. And if I absolutely had to sell it, um, I would, because that's the way that you would want to, you would want to, you'd, you'd be getting more value, you know what I mean, as a seller than you would be at a buyer as a buyer at this point, given what the market will reset to. Yeah, so. no, I'm selling. Don't buy it at all. I think this is smoke and mirrors. It's he played the Saints, who have been beat up on Monday night, and he's played the Vikings, which we've talked about what an atrocious defense that is, and the Lions. He has abused some bad secondaries. Also, yeah, I was going to say the Lions are also bad. So he'll get the Vikings and Lions again within his division, but the schedule gets harder. Yes, he'll get Devontae Adams back, but the further we go in this season, the less they're going to throw and the more they're going to try to run the ball and run out the clock, especially because they haven't even started incorporating their second-round pick, A.J. Dillon, yet. They're going to run the ball more the, the longer we go through this season I don't believe he can keep up the pace he's currently at. And like I said, he's at an insane pace for what he's done over the last couple of years, and he's still just QB6. I think it's far more likely that some of the guys struggling behind him pass him, and he regresses back to where we thought he would be. I'm selling this 100%. Uh, Joe Burrow, the rookie, QB10 right now. He is still widely available, as we mentioned, on waivers. So are you uh, buying this hot start from the rookie or is this just a a one-off because of how he's started in his season? Well, it's an interesting one because the thing I I actually will tell you, I am buying it because the nice thing about it is 
it'd be very cheap to acquire. And I think he's done enough at this point, given where the Bengals are as a team, he's already showing that he could, he's going to have weeks where for bi-week fill-ins as a QB2 type of option, that's kind of where I value him for the rest of the year. So I do think he'll finish in that range as a kind of middle of the page QB2, because there are going to be those games where the Bengals are going to throw it 60 times and he's going to pay you off with a lovely 35 or some nonsense like that. And it's, it's just, just going to be a few more weeks like that for my money. So for me, Joe Burrow uh, is something I'd actually be interested in acquiring, especially if I can get it very, very cheap to be my backup yeah. quarterback. If I can get it cheap policy. or if I'm in one of those 40% of yes. leagues where he's somehow still on waivers, I would, gr- I would grab him as my QB too, especially with bye weeks coming up. Yep. 100% would be it. doing that. But as my QB one or in the top 10, I don't buy it. Part of that is being propped up by that one game on Thursday against Cleveland when he threw the ball 60 times. He's not going to do that every week. He's not, He's not going to put up these insane numbers. Again, we're three weeks in, guys. It's a small sample size. Joe Burrow, is he good? Yes. Will he finish his top 10? I kind of doubt it. No, but I'm g- not. And I, that's given what I'm saying, the QB state of quarterback, I mean, I'm glad with having him as my backup, and then if I need him, I can have him. Exactly. And then for all of these categories, I will round it out with a group of people currently outside of the top 12 that we kind of thought would be there. I'd like you to pick one of them that you're buying as a buy low. All right. So right right. now we've got Tom Brady as QB 16, Deshaun Watson at 17, Drew Brees at 18, Carson Wentz at 24, and Daniel Jones. Boy, was I wrong on that one. QB 31. Uh, any of these buy low options for you right now? Deshaun. Deshaun is the name. Uh, the rest of them, frankly, yeah. I think are going to struggle to get back to form given the state of their respective teams. Tom Brady's currently engaged in his first ever fight against the Grim Reaper. And as I've said many times on this show, nobody beats Father Time forever. So it looks like that's finally happening. Drew Brees is kind of going through the same thing. If you really want my honest assessment of what I'm watching, he can't, he can't hit some of those throws that he used to, and it seems to frustrate him. And uh, Deshaun is the one who's still... He's still young. That O-line, once again, is yet again an atrocity. Uh, it's, uh, but their better days are ahead. There will be easier matchups. You want to talk about, it's the antithesis of that Roger thing that you just ran through. The Texans have played a gauntlet of a schedule to open this season because the NFL hates the Texans and loves to put them in primetime games that they can't possibly win. And uh, they wanted to sign Earl Thomas, too, and then COVID ruined that. So we'll see if that happens in the near future. That would actually really help them just from a team uh, standpoint. So that's part of it. Deshaun, Deshaun's getting getting chased around, and their defense can't stop anybody. So they're just kind of getting – they can't get into their actual game plan of really trying to run the ball at any point when he's just running for his life and having to throw because they're already down by 14. So it's not great, but easier matchups are on the horizon. And I do think he could actually find his way back into the QB1 conversation relatively. Not buying anybody else in that list, though. Uh, yep, 100% fair. I would honestly believe that you could sell Josh Allen to get Deshaun Watson and a wide receiver. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and just rebuild your team like that, and I'd feel pretty good about it. Uh, let's move on to running back. Neil, on a points-per-game basis, because he's only played two out of the three weeks, but on a points-per-game basis, Raheem Mostert is RB5 Oh yeah, in PPR scoring. Are you buying Raheem Mostert as a legit guy this year? Legit guy in terms of like, will he finish in the top 10 or legit guy in the sense that he'll finish in the top 20? Well, I mean, he was going outside of the top 24 in the ECR. So, so if, if, we're you gonna limit buy, it, if you don't want to buy it as top 12, 
Would you at least buy him as a starting I, running back on a weekly go. basis? There you go. That's now th- this is health dependent, which is the really frustrating thing about this, because if you could guarantee me that he's healthy, then yes, at this point, I'd say he's absolutely going to just based on performance so far, even if there is attrition to that number that it, given the state of running back, it should not be a challenge for him to finish inside the top 20. And it's, it's a, uh, it's a really nice bargain for whoever was investing in that in the draft. But the one fly in the ointment here is he's already kind of beat up. But even with that, I'm still willing to say, given the volume when he's out there and given how much they really run the ball with the 49ers and given the fact that their O-line is still good, that you watch everybody who gets a shot succeed in that system, literally anybody. We talked about Jeff Wilson before. Nobody knows who Jeff Wilson Jr. was. Like, it's, it's one of those situations where as a top 20, yes, as a top 12, no. Uh, here's my big thing. In the offseason, remember, the argument was, you know, sure, Mostert's good, but do we even know he's the guy? There's just so many mouths. Jarek McKinnon has barely played in the last, what, over the last two years, he basically years. hasn't played. Yeah. So he's still shaking off the rust, and you can see it, and he was the feature back this past weekend and did well, but got hurt. You, you can't trust him to be the full feature back. And Tevin Coleman is also hurt and he's has on, looked atrocious. And he's on short-term he's IR, so he won't bad. be back for three, four weeks. Yes, he's looked bad when given the opportunities this year. And now well, you want my honest, assess- you want my honest assessment? I think Tevin Coleman was hurt before he went on the IR, which is contributing. So, to so Raheem really Mostert, well to me, is easily the best running back in that backfield. Does he have other guys to deal with? Sure. But I think if you got Raheem Mostert in the sixth or seventh round where he was going in ADP, I mean, you got to steal. Raheem Mostert is definitely a top 24 guy to me. I think he is a set it and forget it in your lineup whenever he is back healthy. It's just a matter of him getting back healthy. Will he be an RB1 or RB2? I don't care because I have to start two of them every week. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Fair enough. I mean, yeah, that that's my big thing. But I so believe the, he'll finish as an RB2. This is the most polarizing one right now out there, Neil. Uh-oh. Right now, in terms of, again, points per game, PPR, James Robinson I knew it. I knew it was is RB7. And he has been anointed as the man. Now, now, first of all, I'm going to pat us on the back. Congratulations to us, because we got a lot of guff all offseason about how we're crazy because there's no way Leonard Fournette continues to get volume they're going to spread the ball around, especially to Chris Thompson. <laughs> Leonard Fournette's not even on the uh, team, and Chris Thompson isn't involved at all. And, for as wrong as we were about Daniel Jones, we're incrementally yeah. as correct about this. So it's, and, it's kind and of a And now it's not even Leonard Fournette. It's James Robinson, and he's a top 10 back through three weeks because of the same exact volume that Leonard Fournette was getting last year. So you are welcome. That has 100% panned out. but. We talked about with Fournette, the reason that we were higher on him than others. Last year, yards before contact, the O-line for the Jags averaged 1.4 yards before contact, tied for dead last in the NFL. Leonard Fournette had 3.0 yards after contact, which was tied with Nick Chubb for second behind only Derrick Henry. So he had to perform at such a ridiculous, ridiculously high efficiency for his numbers to matter. And yards after contact, typically year on year, carries over because it is a stat 
that reflects the efficiency and what a running back can personally do. Whereas yards before contact is all dependent on the five guys blocking on the O-line. So we figured, look, if, if they're dead last in efficiency on the line, there, there's nowhere for it to go but up. So even if it gets a little bit better and Fournette stays at the same efficiency or even a little regression, he's still going to be an above average back. Right now, through three weeks, yards before contact, the Jags O-line 1.8. So again, still not to the league average, but slightly better. James Robinson, yards after contact, 3.1. He is running at a ridiculous clip right now. But the undrafted free agent running back, who is he dealing with in the backfield? There is a reason that when we talked about the AFC South and the Jags, that we barely mentioned James Robinson. And it's because at that time, three weeks before the season started, he was still number five on the depth chart. Yep, And he was number five for a reason. And since then, they cut Leonard Fournette. Chris Thompson has kept his number two spot. Raquel Armstead, who was the heir apparent, is on the COVID list. And, has and Devin Izigbo is dealing with an ankle injury and has not played yet this season. They signed Dara Goombawale, who has done nothing but special teams. And they even brought in Devonta Freeman for a workout, but decided that it was going to cost too much to sign him. So they just decided to go with James Robinson. It's not that they love James Robinson. It's they, did, they didn't want to pay Devonta Freeman or Leonard Fournette to have the job. There are still two other guys on that roster that haven't even played a snap yet this season that were ahead of him on the depth chart before the season started. I mean, look, if it's me, I'm riding it. Because he still has some decent matchups. At this point, you put nothing into it. More than likely, James Robinson was a guy you got off waivers or the back end of the draft, and it's not a guy that you needed. But if I can sell it for his current value, I absolutely will. I, I just find it hard to believe that he'll be able to keep up this ridiculous efficiency that he's had and that he won't lose touches at some point to Armstead and Azigbo when they come back healthy. So you and I are on the same page with this one because that's a guy who it's kind of just like you found a, a, a hundred dollars on the ground because he was not story. something you drafted. Like, and he tied that record with Kareem Hunt on Thursday night in terms of touches and touchdowns for undrafted guys. It's such a nice story. But if I can actually get his current value from somebody, but see, that's going to be the tricky part because I think a lot of people are going to be like, who James Robinson? So for me, I'm probably standing pat because right now I don't know exactly what the market's going to be for James Robinson. But if somebody's a believer, because I would absolutely be shopping it is my point. I would be going from team to team and saying, who needs RB2 help? Because if somebody wants to give me something a little more solid, then I'm happy to take it off their hands. Even like if I need a wide receiver, for example, because my flex situation is, is, a, is a joke and I've got good running backs. And he's like my third or fourth guy. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to go shop that to all the teams, especially the guy who had Saquon, for example. And we're going to go knock on doors and see what people want to talk to me about and come up with an, uh, look at their rosters and come up with something as a replacement for yourself because you might be able to plug a hole elsewhere because it's just free money. It's, it's free real estate, unfortunately. And I agree with you. Yeah, again, there's no way that he's going to finish that season with those. Which is kind of, which is kind of why I brought it up. Like if somebody in that same scenario I mentioned had Saquon and then they took James Conner as their RB2 and then they were able to get Robinson on waivers after week one or whatever it was, 
right? Saquon goes down. Now you just have James Conner and James Robinson, and that's it. Like those are your running backs. That's your team. Unless I have something that I get back in a trade where I can replace James Robinson, I'm not moving him. He's going to put up RB2 numbers. He's going to be fine. Is he going to continue to put up top 10 numbers no, though? No, like people are talking about, like he's the, what irks me again, this didn't even bother me. I was, it was a great story. The, it this sounds, didn't bother it sounds me. like it's bothering you. It didn't bother me at all until people started saying he's the next Arian Foster. Ah, there then, yeah. then I lost it. Yeah. Then it was over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, Arian Foster is one of the biggest draft mistakes in modern football yeah. history. So that's not this. Arian Foster had a significantly higher pedigree than James Robinson. So we could turn this into the Arian Foster is better than James <laughs> Robinson show if you want, because I got all kinds of time for that show. But here's here's what I would say. I agree with you on the general point that I don't think he could possibly finish as a top 10 or even top 12 running back. I do think there's an outside chance he finishes as an RB2 in the top 24 for the remainder of yes, the year. Yes, for sure. But to my point, if I already have solid running backs because I went RB heavy in the draft, yep. are, let's still do that. If he's, he's expendable my, on my roster, then I'm going him. to expend him, especially if I need to play three wide receivers. And my wide receivers are likely poor because of my strength at running back. I'm going to try and level set that. But otherwise... No, to your, in your exact scenario, but if I have James Conner, no, nah, I'm pretty much good. I'm just going to live. I'm, I'm going to try and actually upgrade from Conner. <laughs> I'm going to try and trade Conner to get a better yeah. RB1, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip the script. That's how I'm going to do that. That's, that's going to be my thought process rather than doing the other thing. Well, speaking of uh, Conner, the E is for a better RB1. So the easy one here, we'll, we'll talk about some guys who are possible buy lows. The easy buy low, first and foremost, because we'll both agree on this one. So I'm just going to throw it out there. David Johnson. Yes. Right now, he's oh, yeah. RB21. Again, he blew up in week one. He had more points in that first game against Kansas City than CEH did. And I, I've heard CEH is the greatest running back of all time. So I have heard that. You, you have to know that David Johnson's good then. But since then, he played Baltimore and Pittsburgh, probably the top two or three rush defenses in the league. So David Johnson, yes, bad weeks. This week, he's got Minnesota. I mean, come on. This is this is the 20 incoming. David Johnson should be, again, in the RB1 discussion. He ran 96% of their offensive snaps last week, Neil. 96. I know Duke Johnson didn't play. Well, I was going to say. David Johnson, I, 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 well, 96%. Say, yeah. Well, I was going to say, is even with Duke Johnson theoretically coming back, I still don't care. Like, even when Duke Johnson was on the field anything. in week one, matter. David Johnson played 76% of the snaps. Yeah, I mean, I still, he's on the field so much and gets yeah. so involved that it's just. Well, and this should be, this should be a, a get right game. This should be your get right game for the Texans to try and get a lot of your Texans off the schneid here, especially Deshaun and David Johnson to a lesser extent. I'm hoping breaks. So things, things like that, I think should be possible, should be happening for you this weekend. So if you've ridden out this far, I think you're about to get rewarded finally. So no, yeah, David but Johnson, elsewhere, absolutely other options, Todd Gurley, RB 27, Kenyon Drake at 28, Leonard Fournette at 29. Looks like he's going to miss this week. And Joe Mixon, RB 37. So any of those guys you're looking to buy low. Yeah, these are all the troubling names, right? And uh, for me of that list, the the one that I would actually be the most inclined with is actually probably the one that people are most frustrated with, and that's Kenyon Drake. So it's been troubling the kind of the the usage and the just game script that they've had. So I can understand why people are like, well, why would you want to invest in that? Because 
to a certain point, what we've only seen so far is him kind of get have it, them mixing in Chase Edmonds and things and things of that nature. I'm not sure that given how the injuries usually shake out, that's going to be sustainable throughout the rest of the year. And they're also going to get involved in some better matchups here, excluding the, uh, the the 49er game. So I do believe that I'm not done believing in Kenyon Drake yet. And the reason I specifically wanted to call him out is because that's the one that people were the most heavily invested in and the one that they're probably the most frustrated with. And the one that I think I could probably elicit some sort of emotional response in a trade scenario. And I could try and pull him on to my team for way less than market value. So I think there's a lot of meat on that bone for you. And if you're desperate at running back, I'm I'm telling you, I think it's a little early to kind of to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater on. Yeah, Gurley concerns me. Fournette, I'm worried about right now until he gets that full job. Uh, eventually, yep. he'll get the whole job, but I think it's taking way too long. And if he's going to miss this week, it's going to take even longer. So that one worries me. I would just stand pat with that. You're going to uh, go mix in here? A better option. I am going to go mix in. Drake concerns me because last year he put up huge numbers, but who was he competing with? Like Christian Kirk was out hurt the last half of the year. It was old man, Larry Fitzgerald, and that's it. So he had a ton of volume, both rushing the ball and receiving the ball. They've got Kirk back healthy, even though he hasn't done much. Fitz hasn't done much, but boy, has DeAndre Hopkins done a lot. They have worked him into that offense a ton, and now they're working in Chase Edmonds more than they were last season. So I'm concerned that Kenyon Drake is just falling down the ladder in terms of guys that are getting touches on that offense. Whereas Joe Mixon, yes, I hate the fact they keep working in Giovanni Bernard, but remember we were talking about Joe Mixon being dead all the way up until week nine last year. And he was a great buy low up until then. And then he blew up and was a top five guy the second half of the season. This is what he does. I don't know why. I don't know why they don't incorporate Joe Mixon well, until the second half of the year. But it's what they do. It's just, I don't get it, but whatever. Here's, Zach Taylor. I don't want to throw too much cold water on it, but I am a little concerned. It's kind of six six in one hand, half dozen in the other for me between Mixon and Drew. Because you're kind of it's the same simulacrum. Edmonds is working in more, Geo is working in more on the other side. Both of those guys we've seen get injured significantly in the course of their careers. Geo more because he's been in the league. So I think both of them are a candidate to see increased usage given the other guy's kind of injury history here. And Joe Mixon could be a slow starter, but some of that from last year was predicated on the idea that by the time they got to the point where he started blowing up, they didn't have anybody else left. They had no quarterback play. They had Tyler Boyd as their only actual wide receiver on that team that was healthy at that point. And they had two options. I can force feed it to Joe Mixon and huck it to Tyler Boyd, or I can just take a sack or just take a knee. That's all That's all they had, and I don't know that that's strictly going to be the case with Burrow back there, who actually looks competent. We pointed it out earlier. I don't know that we're going to get to that point where he's going to ever be able to just kind of saddle up and ride, whereas with the Cardinals, I could actually see a scenario with Christian Kirk beat up again uh, where Kenyon Drake could get more usage if it's just D-Hop, if it's just Nuke and and Drake. I think it's easier for him in a weird way to actually get off the schneid. I know they like to spread the ball around, but they're already kind of getting thin in that department. And yes, the Hopkins usage rate is troubling for the person looking to acquire Drake. I cannot debate you on that point. It is undebatable. You won. But if the path to more playing time is literally only D-Hop, because the rest of it's kind of falling apart already in Arizona. Whereas I'm concerned that with the increased efficiency of Burrow, that they might actually be able to kind of get that team in it's in a more complete state across the finish line. And if you really want to know what I will say, I shouldn't make my own arguments that you could make against me. The rushing rate for Kyler Murray. <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna come back at me 
Yeah, so, but that's basically the same that he had last year. So that's not concerning. Yeah. Chase so, Edmonds is getting more carries than he was last year. Gio is not, still getting no carries. He's just fair. more involved in the passing game than last year. It's fair. I'll so split I think they're you. both they're both players that I would buy low if I got the opportunity. I would just rather have Mixon. I think he's got the higher ceiling at this point. All right. so let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go through wide receivers. All right, we're back. We're going to go through wide receiver real quick. Just a couple. So first, Stefan Diggs. Currently wide receiver six. This goes back to the Josh Allen discussion. How much do you buy Stefan Diggs keeping his top 12 pace? Because we've been told by multiple people on the website, Aiden and Jason, <laughs> that Stefan Diggs is the best wide receiver in the history of time. They certainly have said that he's the best wide receiver in pro football. Uh, no, unfortunately, with with the down with the we just talked about it in the Josh Allen segment. It the, the logic would have to carry over. I, I can't talk out of both sides of my mouth at that level. If I'm divesting in Josh Allen after week nine, then I will also likely be trying to divest from Stefan Diggs. His matchups also get tougher. And it, as goes Josh Allen, as goes Stefan Diggs. So that is absolutely something that I'm happy that he's in the top 12 now, but I don't really think it's possible for him to finish in the top 12 as people come back healthy that have already missed some time early in this season. And as some guys also get right, and as you have the uh, the ascent of guys that were outside of that, like Tyler Lockett, in some you know, in the opinion of some websites, you have that type of thing happening. So no, I don't. I think it's going to be very hard for him to do that, uh, given that Josh Allen is currently at seventy one percent accuracy, when the best we've ever seen him do is fifty eight. It screams unsustainable, and so he's going to drag Diggs down with him. So no, I'm looking to kind of I'm looking to kind of get something more stable if I can. Yeah, and again, it goes back to strength of competition as well, right? Is It's not only the fact that they have a tough schedule coming up. Like, he's going to get Gilmore twice. He still hasn't played the uh, Patriots at all. Like, the Bills have had three games so far. They played the Jets, ugh, Miami, ugh, and then he just played the Rams and beat up on Jalen Ramsey. But even then, it was to the tune of, what, a 14? I think it was 14, 15, something like that. It wasn't a great week, 14. but it, it wasn't terrible either. So, yeah, the matchups are going to get harder. It's going to be more and more difficult to rely on digs in a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, If you can get top 10 wide receiver value for digs, I would sell it 100%, not even thinking about it. And I wouldn't even wait as long as you'd wait on Josh Allen. Like, I'd be willing to do that sooner rather than later before the bottom falls out of that. Uh, the other one here, so we're going to talk about buy lows. DJ Moore, wide receiver 32. DJ Chark on a points per game basis is wide receiver 38. OBJ at 44. <gasps> AJ Brown is at wide receiver 63. It would help if he could actually play game. games. <laughs> and he could one and a quarter. Well, yeah, sure, one and a quarter. And then T.Y. Hilton through three games is wide receiver 74. Anybody that you're buying low on, also honorable mention here, how about Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 10? Coolio. Yeah, Coolio. Coolio baby. We, we uh, call that shit. Oh, uh, yeah. and we'll just stay right there in Carolina because it's DJ Moore. Because, again, that's mm -hmm. the one that people will be the most frustrated with. It was the one in. And if I can get a discount on DJ Moore, because that's going to correct. Robbie yeah. Anderson is not going to finish the season as a top 10 wide receiver. And also... New quarterback, new system. They looked like death the first couple weeks, but actually put up a decent showing against the Chargers replacement defense that's out there. Uh, th so I think that I think they're actually going to gain momentum as it goes, and it will. Better days are ahead for DJ Moore. 
The volumes, the volume is not really my concern. They're still targeting him. No CMC. Like it'll this is gonna correct and it'll level set. And if I can get a deal on DJ Moore list that I want. Yeah, I'm concerned about T.Y. Hilton, but he's wide receiver 74. I mean, there's people willing to cut bait on him at this point. Yeah, I'm so not going to trade for it. I could pick him up with the waiver if, wire. And two if I can get T.Y. Hilton for literally nothing, uh, I would certainly be interested in that because he's not going to finish at 74. A.J. Brown concerned me coming in because they just don't throw it a lot in Tennessee. Now he's been hurt. They probably have the bye week this week. Jonu Smith has emerged as their big body guy who Brown was last year in their red zone for them. So that that one scares the bejesus out of me. I think that one's going to end up being a bust. DJ Chark, they throw it so much, and he was the home run hitter. I feel like people are going to be frustrated on that. If you didn't watch what happened last year, if you didn't watch the Jags offense, if you weren't aware who DJ Chark was, and you took him as your second or third wideout in the fourth or fifth round, you're willing to cut bait on it, and I can get that for nothing. Uh, DJ Chark is definitely the guy for me. I think DJ Moore, just because of what people invested, you'd probably still have to pay too much. Uh, yeah, but, but if he puts up look, another couple clunkers, then um, I'm just saying, like that's going to get real cheap if it's not already. So yeah, and I, I agree with you on DJ Chark. I agree with that analysis. There's nothing wrong in that. It's just like that's the difference here is the upside for me. I'm not convinced that DJ Chark has the total upside. And if they get there different ways, because you know what I mean, it's deep shots versus like more quickly. Are we completely out on OBJ? Like historically, I've been out on OBJ since the preseason. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Internet, stop making me have this. Not you. Stop making me have this conversation with you on the fantasy life app Twitter. I don't want OBJ. Stop it. This was over historically in in his career. He has started slow. Sure, he's been slow to adjust and now again this is his third different offense in three seasons that's fair so i feel like at some point he's the best receiver on that roster he's going to emerge he's going to connect with baker at some point my issue with obj and i believe yours as well is that he was getting hyped like he was going to be back as a top 12 guy again yes yes and we both had him i believe in the same area right around like just just it was, inside the top 20. I was going to say, it's it's either just inside the top 20 or it's just outside, but it's like 19 to 20. I, I had him at 18, I believe, in my it's preseason something like, it's, it, I think I might have had him at like 20. And I feel something. like he can definitely get there. He can be a wide receiver too. He just never was going to be the wide receiver one that the internet wanted to will him back to. <laughs> and I think that was the issue. So if someone's completely done on OBJ, will I take it? Sure, but I still think he's three or four weeks from clicking. Just historically, it's what he's done. He starts slow. I would wait that's what on yeah, OBJ and say, try to get the, him later. That's the thing. It, it talk, you're talking about whether what I want to do now versus what I w- might want to do in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We play this game again as we exactly. get a few more well, weeks OBJ is the guy that I want in week six, but I feel like he's going to be on this list again in week yeah. six. There will <laughs> be a couple repeaters on this list, I think, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah, OBJ is the one that... The problem is that people want to come at me with, well, should I go and trade, you know, like market value for OBJ if this guy's frustrated with it? What did, why would you ever in your life want to want to pay? Because it's OBJ. It'll, it'll get better. And it's just like, probably, but look at how bad it is. And what if you're wrong? <laughs> what if you're wrong? Like, that's the, that's, the, that's the downside to that whole equation. What if he just falls on his face finally this year and they never get that offense going and Baker Mayfield's just a system quarterback and they can't ever get on the same page. And the only one you want is Jarvis. 
That would sound a lot like the analysis we've given on the show before. That's going to do it for us uh, for this week. Uh, For all the latest news, injury updates, and a full preview of this weekend's matchups, make sure you're checking out Trust or Bust with Jack and Jason this Friday night slash Saturday morning, whenever, wherever you listen. We will be back next Wednesday to talk more of all of this nonsense for you guys. Uh, In terms of the game tomorrow night, uh, my betting lines will be exactly what your TV should be doing, and that's avoiding that game by every stretch of the imagination. (laughs) So that's going to be steer clear on literally every aspect of it. Neil, where can the people find you for social media? You can come and argue with me about various topics on the fantasy life app and on nonsense underscore Neil. Also check out the trade table columns that we put out on Tuesday and Wednesday with my colleague, Wes Smith, no relation. And, uh, feel free to check us a comment on those write-ups and check in with us because this is it folks. We've got for my money, one more week where you kind of want to, Sit tight, and then we're off to the races as far as trades go. The season's flying by. Uh, make sure you're following the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. You can follow us in the Important Nonsense community page on the Fantasy Life app. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you listen. Leave us a five-star review. You can follow me everywhere at Nonsense underscore Steve. And until next week, make sure you just keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!